white supremacist video games? I did not see that coming. I'm Eric Fell. Leave it to a Russian to find a new way for vodka to cause brain damage. I'm Kevin Leeson. Would it kill you to stop playing League of Legends once in a while? I'm Torin Atkinson. That sad day when you find out your mother doesn't respawn. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Gaming. The uh, word origin of game comes from Old English gamen for game. Oh, from Neil. Uh, maybe. It's mm-hmm. spelled a little differently. From game, joy, fun, amusement, which is from Proto-Germanic. The uh, ga meaning is a collective prefix and man meaning person, giving a sense of people together. Man meaning person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, you guys are going to get some emails now. <laughs> M-A-N-N. Oh, okay. Like the director. Mm. Right. Yeah. Michael Mann. Or, yeah. or the Germans. Was it Germans? Mm-hmm. Is that what they are? The oh, what does Ger mean? No, uh, if they're Ger people, it Ger means German. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. I tried to find a <laughs> phobia for games, and uh, there isn't one. But uh, uh, phobia is Greek, and paizo is Greek for games. So paizophobia oh, okay. would be a fear right. of games. I don't think anybody has it. Uh, yeah, Wizards of the Coast. Am I right? Ah, ah. because paizo is a game company that makes Dungeons and Dragons like products. Yes. <laughs> Explaining joke for non-gamers. Yeah. Beep. Done. Sometimes that has to be done. <clears throat> a game is structured playing, usually undertaken for enjoyment and sometimes used as an educational tool. Mm-hmm. Games are distinct from work, which is usually carried out for remuneration, and from art, which is more often an expression of aesthetic or ideological elements. However, the distinction is not clear-cut, as many games are considered to be work, such as professional players of sports and other games. And uh, some are art. Mm. Yeah, but-, but sports are not games. Um, I'm just really amused that there is a Wikipedia entry for game. Yeah, gaming, uh-huh. actually. As a, yeah, yeah. a game is structured playing, and then right. there's yeah. a link to the word playing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have oh, yeah. Uh, some... Because uh, it's got disambiguations, like playing with yourself, yep. <laughs> playing with others, playing fairly, playing poorly. You know, they got to like uh, subdivide it into all the other uh, offshoots. Key components of games are goals, rules, challenge, and interaction. Games generally involve mental or physical stimulation, and often both. Many games help develop practical skills, serve as a form of exercise, or otherwise perform an educational, simulational, or psychological role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tested as early as 2600 BC, games are a universal part of human experience and present in all cultures. What do you think the game was in 2600 BC? Staying alive? It was Dungeon and Dragon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there was just one. It was it was, it was survival. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Children go out and forage for animals and fruits and whatnot. That's this right. is a game. Whoever brings back the most gets a gold coin token. I think it was uh, snakes and rock because they hadn't invented ladders yet. The earliest known board game is the Egyptian game of Senate. Yes. Ooh, oh, that, uh, that is that sounds engaging. That sounds electric. <laughs> it sounds like a Star Wars prequel. <laughs> Somebody Quick, kids kids love the Senate. Let but, me guess what it's about. Somebody gets up to up to speak, and then everybody else beats them down with like <laughs> little cudgels. It's actually spelled S E N E T, but yeah. Totally. Uh, oh, I actually thought it was. I thought it was actually Senate. Oh, so yeah. this is named after Max Senate, the uh, the silent film director. The silent film director, yes. Yes, his films went back in time to 3500 BC Egypt, yeah. where they then saw them, saw his name, mm-hmm. translated that into Egypt, and then made e- a game about him. Egyptian? Sorry, into Egyptian. 
Senate is a board game from pre-dynastic and ancient Egypt. The oldest hieroglyph representing a Senate game dates to around 3100 BC. Woof. The full name of the game in Egyptian means the game of passing. Oh. Senate has been found in pre-dynastic and first dynasty burials of Egypt dated as far back as 3500 BC. So that's as far back as we can actually find evidence of games. So what did you do? Well, by the time of the New Kingdom in Egypt, uh, which is about 1550 to 1077 BC, it had become a kind of talisman for the journey of the dead. Because of the element of luck in the game, it's a what's called a race game. It's basically got 30 squares in a grid arranged in three rows of 10. And you've got two sets of pawns, normally about five per player. Thank and God. it's about racing them around the board and winning. I was really hoping you weren't going to start talking about the Jewish slaves or something. No. I've Senate was good, but if you really want to get into it, I recommend Star Trek Senate. Yeah. Or possibly Lord of the Rings Senate. Yeah, yeah. They really started licensing this stuff out back then. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the element of luck in the game and the Egyptian belief in determinism, it was believed that a successful player was under the protection of the major gods of the national pantheon. Whoa, Ra, this isn't wait, Thoth, and sometimes this Osiris. This game just got real. Yeah, yeah, it, just, yeah. it just got serious. <laughs> Consequently, Senate boards were often placed in the grave alongside other useful objects for the dangerous journey through the afterlife, and the game is referred to in Chapter 17 of the Book of the Dead. Okay. Yeah. All right. Playing cards first appeared in ancient China, where they were found as early as the 9th century during the Tang Dynasty, which would be uh, 618 to 907. Were they firework-shaped cards, I hope? (laughs) They were not. But But it tasted like orange. The Tang Dynasty. Oh, that's funny because Tang doesn't taste like orange. Uh, it tastes like some sort of, you know, uh, faux semaliacrum of orange. It right. tastes like space travel. Oh, yeah. Those, Tang is the Those future. ancient Chinese were so ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia's got a whole page on ancient games, and I just tried to pull out a couple of interesting old ones here mm-hmm. for you. I'm going to put up a link to the rest because it's just kind of a huge list. I'm not going to read through them. None of them involve pulling the legs off of children, so no. we're not going to talk about them. Let's, right. get, let's get caustic. Why don't we talk about Dungeons & Dragons and anti-Dungeons & Dragons hysteria? So okay. we all know what D&D is. Uh, we all play, right? We've all played Dungeons & Dragons at least at some point. In our I lives. think at some point uh, most of the people here at this table have been associated with playing right. the game. Yes. And, and Eric, you run the Critical not- Hit Show. Yes. A yes. Dungeon, so- live Dungeons & Dragons improv show. Yeah, so I host and DM a, a live uh, comedy inspired by mm-hmm. stuff like D&D. Right. Yeah. And you are the dungeon master. The dungeon yes. Master. Yes, I'm not just a dungeon apprentice. No. A dungeon journeyman. You've gone, you've gone past all of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm high up in the dungeon union. Master of dungeons. Well, back in the 80s, there's a lot of anti-Dungeons and Dragons hysteria. Yes. And a major source of this was uh, an organization, and I'm going to kind of put air quotes around that, called BAD. Uh, Bothered Ooh. about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> ah. Which was created by one woman. I Patricia Pulling. I definitely give her cre- credit for the acronym. Yeah. Good acronym. Right? Good yeah. acronym. You know, I mean, this is probably why she got so much attention. Good acronym, right? But but you know what? If she's bothered about it, that just sounds like it's a mild annoyance. Yeah. Mm. Right. You would think that that's mm. all that that, that bothers represents. Me. Yeah. Well, here we go. In 1982, Patricia Pulling's 16-year-old son, Irving, committed suicide by firearm. Right. Uh-huh. Irving was an active Dungeons & Dragons player, and she believed his suicide was directly related to the game. Well, we all remember there was that supplement in 1982. Where you had firearms. Where you had, where, where you had to shoot yourself if mm-hmm. you rolled a one. Yeah. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. Sorry. It's in the rules to fumble. Yeah. Pulling filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her son's high school principal, oh. holding him as responsible for what she claimed was a D&D curse uh. placed upon her son's character shortly before his death. Uh. She also filed suit against TSR Incorporated, D&D's then publishers. Mm-hmm. After all of her lawsuits were dismissed, 
Right. Huh. Pulling founded the public advocacy group Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons in 1983. Her kid committed suicide and yeah. she's bothered. What about Thad? Furious about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you yeah. go. And yeah. also, this role-playing thing will be over anytime uh, soon. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Mm. Make sure of it. She began publishing information circulating her belief that D&D encouraged devil worship and suicide. Right. Mm. Because that's what a business wants. It wants its uh, customer base yeah. to, to stop existing right. so that they don't have to uh, spend money anymore. In service of the devil. Yes. Yeah. Mm. It's the devil that's paying for all the supplements. Yeah. Yeah. She Devil's kinda, got tons of cash. She kind of yeah. goes off the deep end. Here we go. Bad, describe D&D as, quote, a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. Now, only 19 of those are true. I was about to say, I, I think I've seen just about all of those in a game at one point in time or another. Well, she's kind of means in the real world. Well, are you telling me Dungeons and Dragons isn't real? <laughs> Mrs. Pulling was also the author of a book, The Devil's Web. Who is oh. stalking your children for Satan? Oh. Krampus. It's Krampus. It's Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> the book not only treats the Necronomicon as a real publication, <laughs> but refers to it as if it is a widely available for reading and used regularly by teenagers. Yep. One portion of the book urges police officers to open interrogations of suspected teen occultists with the question, have you read the Necronomicon or are you familiar with it? I almost thought that you were going to say she recommends police open fire on players <laughs> of Dungeons and Dragons. I thought that's where you're going with that. I think she wants them rescued from this horrible satanic game. Oh, okay. So shoot the dungeon master. There was that shitty uh, paperback Necronomicon that you could get. Yes, in by the was 80s it like or 90s. Simon the Mad? Or yeah, mm-hmm. and it was Something. just a bunch of um, Mesopotamian myths that had yeah. been thrown in there. I had. A I copy was so of it. disappointed when I found that Necronomicon. I can't summon Cthulhu with this. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of show you just how like distance from reality she was. Here we go. Pulling once told a newspaper reporter that 8% of the people living in Richmond, Virginia were Satanists. Sure. Mm -hmm. She had arrived at that figure, she explained, Mm -hmm. by estimating that 4% of adults and 4% of teenagers were involved with Satanism and added them to get 8%. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when the reporter, wow, she's, she's good at math. Yeah. When the reporter informed her that mathematically that was still 4%, not 8%, she claimed that it did not matter because even 8% was a conservative figure. <laughs> Got it. Opposite. Yeah. So you can kind of see how her thought processes work. She, well, just because she's good at not good at math doesn't mean she's wrong about Satan. It's true. Right? You know, I mean, uh, if, you know, the devil doesn't have to be good at math. I just remember. Well, the devil can be good at math. That's why you're not. I beg your pardon. If the de- the devil's really good at math, so it keeps you keeps us dumb in the math department. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I just remember that after all this happened, when they came out with the next edition of Dungeons and Dragons, there were no more demons, there were no more devils. Yep. They just had fancier names called uh, Batazu and Beelzebub, Tanari, Tanari, yeah. Tanari and Batazu, mm. and that was I thought that was lame, all right? Because I wanted to be Wait. I wanted to be a murdering demonologist well, and suicidal D D player. I do also remember there was they came out with Damons, D A E M O N's at one point. Pretty sure that's a standard spelling in English, like or in British English. Right, but, but that, I mean, no, first that's, a, edition, that's a Ferengi captain. 
a day, a day of Mon? You know, yeah, you don't, yeah, you're yeah. not familiar with the Star Trek universe. I'm not. I'm not. In 1989, game player and designer Michael Stackpole wrote, Game Hysteria and the Truth, which went through Pulling's claims about RPGs in general and D&D in particular, concluding, quote, If the suicide statistics for the 14 years since D&D's introduction show anything at all, gamers kill themselves at a rate that is a fraction of that of their peers. Which is 8%. Mm-hmm. Right. 8% mm-hmm. is a fraction. Meaning... Eight uh, one-hundredths. But I think yeah. it implies lower percent. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. not 120. Not 99 one-hundredths? Well, yes, yes, this is a also fraction. a fraction. Yes. The ivory soap. <laughs> uh, Eric, uh, how long have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons for? Not a huge amount of time. I played a bit when I was 12. Okay. And then I moved on to the uh, Star Wars role-playing game for a little bit. Yeah. And then I got out of gaming oh. in like 1990 and then didn't get back in until maybe three years ago. Now, oh, roughly, wow. mm-hmm. how many demons were summoned up at the Dungeons & Dragons table? Oh, like amongst the players yeah. or in, in in the room? Like how many pentagrams were drawn on the floor and a demon was raised to like, you know, blow on the dice or something? I don't remember any demons, but my DM had a chinchilla. Ooh, a familiar. Mm. Yeah. Yes. A witch is familiar. Yes. Ah. It gives it the power of cuddliness Peruf. and the ability to b- bathe in dust. Uh-huh. Volcanic dust. Torin, how about you? Are you still playing D&D? What's going on with you? When did you start? When you finished? That's a lot of questions. I <laughs> uh, can give one answer or more. Tell I, us about your D&D I experiences. I started playing uh, in probably like eighth or ninth grade. Okay. I never stopped. I've been playing constantly. Play. I'm playing it right He's now. playing it right now. <laughs> uh, Torin, did you ever have anybody go overboard with the role-playing games? Um... Anybody storm that. out and throw dice around the room? Well, was, certainly drama. I was probably the most satanic of all of the uh, <laughs> of all the people involved in my Dungeons and Dragons. And how games. satanic would that be? <sighs> kind of apathetic. Yeah, <laughs> an apathetic satanist. Apathetic satanism. <laughs> uh, Satan's pretty Neil's cool. Uh, you know, I got the robe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't bother reading the manual. Right, that's right. a lot of reading. So you know, yeah. I don't have a lot, so I don't really I ran sacrifice. Out of shock. Mm-hmm. Blood. I don't know where to get that. I guess I could try a little harder, but mm-hmm. so uh, all the demons were just uh, personality disorders. Oh well, that's that's okay then. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, inner demons. You're talking about inner demons. Yeah, right. Got it. Because Got it. I, when I was playing the Star Wars role playing game, the old uh, D6. Yeah, Star Wars role playing game from West yep. End. Game. You summoned was, up a Tuscan Raider. It was yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> One of the people who I would play with started uh, wanting to be called by. His character's name. Yeah, outside sure. Of the yeah. Game. Oh, okay. Oh, and oh, then, so he's he's a method gamer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Darth Philip? Uh, it was uh, <laughs> something Midnight. Oh, okay. a bounty hunter named Midnight. Oh, it wasn't nice. Sean Stewart. No, this was this <laughs> my was... character's name is Sean Stewart. Call me that from now on. <laughs> yes, it was Sean Stewart who does the Critical Hit show That's with right. me. <laughs> no, it categorically was not. It was because it was like what eighty nine or ninety. And this guy, he wanted to be called by his character's name, and he kept calling me every day to play. Oh, wow. Yeah. When are we playing mm. Star Wars again? Yeah, when are we playing Star Wars again? We're playing. And he was my next door neighbor, so he would like come over. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And Can we have an impromptu game, just me and you? Yeah, there was a few of those. All right. And <laughs> you had to cut him off? What did you I do? Just, well, yes. I did. I cut him off. And you know how I cut him off? Killed the character? I killed his character. Oh. Yeah. I killed his character. It was, it was you know... Yeah, you're, you're, you're you're was it like you were on the Death Star and some some chump <laughs> some in an punk. X-wing comes in and shoots a hole oh, and then man. it just blows up? Yeah, sorry, man. No, he. I remember he ran out a door oh. and uh, there was an ad at. 
<laughs> and a whole bunch of stormtroopers like, ah, yeah, sorry, I had to roll like whatever, 48 D6. And he died, and he uh, reached over the table and tried to strangle me. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. He wasn't like, oh, that's cool, I can play ghost now. Yeah, no, I can play no. ghosty Jedi. Yeah, I can be, I can be a force ghost. Yeah, no, he, uh, he got very wow. upset. You had to deflect with your dun- with is the DM screen. Is he okay screen. now? Yes. Is he okay now? I don't know. Yeah. We we don't really talk. I guess. Yeah. After Dutch. the strangling. Yeah, that's not a not a Incident. friendship I uh, pursued. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. After that, you didn't hear any horrible stories later on. Hey, remember that guy we used to play with? Yeah, no. Yeah, he ate his own face. I mean, that was uh, like I played. I played D anD D from the age of uh, uh, our our engineer and uh, producer and sound guy Mike, uh, my brother, uh, got me into it when I was in grade six. So mm-hmm. what is that? Like ten? So I started at a pretty early age. Went to like you know about sixteen or seventeen, like grade eleven, and uh, there were more than a handful of people tearing up character sheets and storming out of the room. Oh and, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I, that's what happened when you're talking about juveniles. Perhaps they act uh, uh, juvenilely. Are you saying that this behavior might be attributed to the fact that these are children going through puberty, having <laughs> hormones just raging through them, not understanding their own emotions? Are you saying that that could be why people were behaving funny <laughs> and not because they were rolling a 12-sided die? Perhaps. Perhaps that uh, one Tor- may lead to the other, though. They could be intertwined. Torrin's like, they never roll the 12-sided die. <laughs> That is the orphan die. Why did you use that as the reference, Eric? <laughs> Get out. I think the biggest issue here is that uh, Dungeons & Dragons is, just, is not the game that you need to be uh, worried about when uh, there are games like... Uh, worse games. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. More satanic games than Dungeons & Dragons. What's a more satanic game than Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, I would even say Call of Cthulhu is more satanic than Dungeons & Dragons. Because it's, right. it's more about... It's more about Evil spell casting. And, and going yeah. mad. And, and, and going, going mad. mad. Yeah. Right. Okay. And the futility of fighting those dark forces as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Like, I always saw D&D as a heroic adventure. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, yeah, stuff like Call of Cthulhu is and Vampire and werewolf and those oh, games yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vampire the Masquerade. Yes. Uh, so, Joe, you have an answer, Doug, when you started playing Dungeons uh, and Dragons. For me, it was grade six. I think I'm a little older than you. It, my friend uh, Dave, his he had uh, relatives in the States, and his uncle had bought him the that original blue book of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. I, think the, I don't even think it was called Basic at the time. I think it was just called Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, every weapon did D6 damage. So yep. we all, being smart little kids, were like, well, I wear a bandolier of daggers and throw them at people because why have a sword when I can just throw D6s and damage? <laughs> so we yep. all started min-maxing. Yeah. Or planning. Well, they, very quickly, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons came out. So we started, he got that for Christmas in grade six. And then basically every lunch hour, we ended up being nerds in mm. the library playing Dungeons and Dragons. But you were only nerds time. at lunch hour. Well, because <laughs> no. you, can't, you, can't, you can't turn it off, buddy. Yeah, uh, we couldn't. No, I was, we were pretty nerdy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we kept that up through, uh, Tor- I met Torin because of role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Oh, tell us the story of how you met. <laughs> well, no there's kind of, there's kind of, there's two versions so, of the meeting. There's First, two ver- no, there's two versions of the story. Joe's, I met Torin, and Torin's like, the darkest day of my life was <laughs> because of role-playing games. Uh, we should, we should have, we should have one tell the story and yeah. the other leave the room. <laughs> oh. And then we ask questions. Right. It'll be like the the caustic soda newlywed game. I was a, 
I played the Gamma World role-playing game with Torin's uh, older brother, Merrick, mm-hmm. and we would go to his house to play on weekends, and I met Torin there, mm-hmm. and he was the annoying younger brother. That was me. <laughs> who would just uh, hang around and pester us all the time. And then I t- have this memory that for some reason you kept giving me uh, those uh, orange-flavored vitamin C tablets. Delightful. Just a weird thing, and I mm-hmm. liked them because they taste like orange candy. Mm-hmm. And then your, like liver sh- yeah, then your liver shut down after 20 of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then multiple years later, I can't remember how many it was, uh, Torrin was then in college, and Merrick had said, oh, he's doing the superhero role-playing game, and I just was like, I want to play that. So I said to Torrin, hey, uh, I know we don't know each other well, I want to play in your superhero role-playing game. And he said, cool. And at the time, I was letting any old asshole in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty so, much. So, uh, yeah. I was specifically that any old asshole. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, we became friends and roommates, and now we podcast together. That's how it happened. You guys do a podcast? And now we're making podcast the role-playing game. Mm. And we're all playing hosts. (gasps) Let's do it. You're a character in the game right now. I'll be the podmaster. The podmaster. PM. Oh, that means (laughs) premenstrual. Or prime minister. Uh, Or or, prime menstrual. Or Uh, evening. Did you bring the, the D&D sex book? I own the D&D sex book. The uh, book of erotic fantasy. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And who put this out? S- bunch of people who said, hey, we can put stuff like this out. Right. And they did. Because, uh, I mean, Torn will know more about the reasons behind people being able to put this stuff out. than When the 3rd edition came out... Wizards of the Coast decided to create an open, what they call the open gaming license. Right. Any old schmuck can uh, print and distribute and sell a supplement right. for Dungeons & Dragons. So this was to like you know bring users into the game? Or like what was the theory behind it? It was, a series, it was a set of rules that basically had to do with sex, sex toys, sexually transmitted diseases. It was crazy. Like you could actually, like they had, and I think in that version, you know, with weapons, there was like improvised standard and masterwork. Ooh, ooh, I just saw. Right. Yes. Yes. They, they had that for condoms. Nice. Uh, Masterwork condom plus three masterwork condom. Improvised condom. That means there's an improvised condom and there's like the percentages of how it'll work and there's curses and like they have everything from mono to AIDS. But they just call them different things. Yeah. I uh, I like the fact that uh, Joe found uh, it looks like maybe even the entire book. Looks like the whole PDF is in, up on scriptd.com. And as he was scrolling, the only thing that jumped out at me was Pleasure Golem. Pleasure Golem. Yeah. Table 5 4 Sexual Services. Uh-huh. Table 3 16 The Voyeuristic Seer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I mean, well, listen, again, we're going. Uh, also known as. Uh, Peeping, quick, give me a Lord of the Rings character. Uh, peeping, peeping uh, Pippin. Bilbo. Peeping Pippin. Peeping, peeping Bilbo. Pippin. Table 2-1, perform sexual techniques result. If you swing into uh, table 2-2 on page 45, you will get to the sexually transmitted diseases. I once did a dramatic reading of these Ooh. at a comedy show, uh, to which I, of course, called them STD&Ds. Ah, uh, clever. Uh, so, basically... I mean, again, we're we're getting into the hormonal teenagers playing, uh, maybe not necessarily oh, being entirely successful in the sexual arena and getting to uh, live out potential fantasies. Perhaps if I buy this Dungeons and Dragons book on sex, I will be able to get some sex. <laughs> Eric, please let's let's look at some of these diseases like azure balls, azure balls, <laughs> burning it. release, uh huh, crimson welts. 
Crotch plague. Crotch plague. Crotch plague. Ghoul Ooh. fever. Hey, Yum. guys, I got the ghoul fever. Lover's lice. I got a bad case of the hairy brute. <laughs> but Kisser's Curse is mono. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, of yeah. Course. yeah. Lover's lice. I mean, that's, uh, oh, and then lycanthropy. Mummy rot. You know that's, that very, that's very Oedipal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Whore's delight. Oh. Whore's this delight. This mild that's... debilitating disease saps the sufferer's strength and has an odd side effect. It causes his or her genitals to excrete a paralytic poison. Ooh. Someone having sex with a person suffering from the Horus delight must make a DC 15 fortitude save or be paralyzed for one die four hours. This disease earned its name from unscrupulous flesh merchants, often used doxies and pretty boys suffering from Horus Delight to rob unwary customers. Yeah, yeah. so you get you with a prostitute and then you get and then you're paralyzed. paralyzed for one day, four hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, they just rough, they rough, just take rough. all your stuff. Yeah. It also says how the different races have sex, I believe. So, And I, I, I want to say that there's a minotaur sex in there too. So it's the mm. big book of knowledge mm. nobody should really want. Yeah, yeah and right. I think they put the, uh, they put, they put a logo on it. Saying, oh, yeah, the Wizards of the Coast. And then Wizards went, no, 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 no. no." And that's, and then they, yeah, then they removed it. But apparently it's worth quite a bit of money. Mm. At the fetish clubs. Yeah, no kidding. Let me talk about Alexander Pichushkin. Mm. Alexander Pichushkin was initially a sociable child. This changed following an incident at age eight in which Pichushkin fell backwards off a swing Mm. and was then struck in the forehead as it swung back. Okay, a little grievous head injury. Experts, oh, because you know what? Because in like communist Russia, the swings are probably made of like concrete or something. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. with spikes. <laughs> yeah, funk. No, just very utilitarian. Just very oh, utilitarian. Right. You know, just concrete and and that super thick gauge chain, right? Experts have speculated that this event may have damaged the frontal cortex of Petrushkin's brain. Such damage is known to produce poor impulse regulation mm-hmm. and a tendency towards aggression. That's what, that's what I think happened to Gary Busey after his uh, motorcycle accident. Oh. You know, everybody makes all these Busey jokes. Look, Busey's crazy. I think it's brain damage because yeah. Oh, yeah. he had brain damage. Yeah. 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 Well, brain but it also from the Star Trek role playing game, you also have poor impulse regulation, right? Oh, because of the impulse engine. Mm-hmm, yeah, right. if you if you fail your engineering role, yeah. you have poor impulse regulation. I also believe poor impulse regulation is one of the basic rules behind the game Fiasco. Oh, I've it, heard of this game. It's a great game, and it actually says on top, it says uh, a game of poor impulse control. <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's an amazing game. I love the crap out of it. How proud of me are you that uh, I, I made a Star Trek joke in there? Like 11 out of 10. Yeah, thank you. Right there. <laughs> which is a Spinal Tap reference, which makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> Pichushkin frequently became hostile and impulsive, and his mother therefore decided to transfer him from a mainstream school to one for children with learning disabilities. Okay. His maternal grandfather recognized that Petrushkin was highly intelligent and felt that his innate talents were being wasted and moved him home to teach him there, including how to play chess. Okay. That's All a right. game. Yep, mm-hmm. chess is a game. It turned out that Petrushkin was an outstanding chess player and found a channel for his aggression. <laughs> In <laughs> chess? Checkmate! Gambit! <laughs> By dominating the chessboard in all of his games against generally elderly men. Okay. All right. I was the same way with racing. <laughs> I was really good at running. Uh-huh. Of course, I only raced against elderly, elderly men. men. Yeah. Although, you know, you get this kind of, you know, stereotypical impression that every elderly man in Russia can play chess. In the park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now. Timer thing. Slapper. Yeah. Now, after the death of his grandfather, Pishushkin began to consume large quantities of. Uh, alcohol. 
Vodka. Yeah. He continued to play chess both at home and in the exhibition games at Bitsa Park, now joining the other men in drinking vodka. Mm-hmm. Though, unlike them, the alcohol did not affect his chess abilities. Oh. He's like super chess man. He's got uh, He's like the Wolverine of chess players. Well, I'm that right. guy who gets three beers in, and then I'm awesome at pool. Right. For like 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I had a friend who would uh, be brilliant at Yar's Revenge after smoking a bowl. Uh, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that's very specific. Yeah, yeah, very specific. And wow, I want to know how many people recognize the name of that game. Mm-hmm. I remember yours. I totally do. Boom! That, well, that's apparently that's three seventy-five percent of people. Go. If we use a sample, yes. yeah. if this is In a this sampling room. of your listeners, yeah. mm-hmm. then seventy-five percent of people will have gotten Good. Yars Revenge. Yar mm-hmm. was a fly. As I recall, uh, like a some sort of insect, a, a series fly. of a series of pixels yeah. <laughs> that was kind of fly shaped, vaguely fly shaped. Yeah. yeah, it was at this time that Petrushkin began to develop a more sinister hobby. Oh, that at the time remained unknown to anyone. I'm gonna guess uh, inserting chess pieces in his bum. Whenever Petrushkin knew he was going to come into contact with children, he would take a video camera along and would proceed to threaten them. In one instance, holding a young child by one leg upside down and saying to the camera, you are in my power now. I'm going to drop you from window and you will fall 15 meters to your death. 15 meters. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, like, I like threats in metric. Yeah. 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 It just takes the steam out of them, doesn't it? Yeah. According yeah. to my calculations, you will be going at 53 meters per second when you strike the ground. <laughs> In 1992, at age 18, Petrushkin began to target elderly homeless men by luring them with the offer of free vodka. After drinking with them, he would kill them wow. with repeated blows to the head with a hammer. Okay. In what became his trademark or signature, he would then push a vodka bottle into the gaping wound in their skulls. Oh. And, he was, and he was known as the Red Tassel Killer. Uh. He also targeted younger men, children, and women. He would always attack from behind in order to take the victim by surprise and to avoid spilling blood on his clothes. Oh, okay. Well, he, he, smart guy, CSI style. Because blood doesn't come out of the back of a person? I don't understand. He claimed that while killing people, he felt like God as he decided whether his victims should live or die. That's that they always died. In all cases, I killed for only one reason. I killed in order to kill live because when you kill, you want to live, he once said. Mm. For me, life without murder is like life without food for you. I feel like the father of all these people since I, it was I who opened the door to, for them to another world. I'm going to start a group called Bass Bothered About Swing Sets. Uh, right. <laughs> swing yeah. Sets. Nice. <laughs> From 1992 to 2006, Petrushkin claims to have murdered 60 people with three additional attempted murders. The murder of Marina Moskalyova, 36, in the spring of 2006 was his last. When her body was found in Bitsa Park, complete with Petrushkin's trademark injuries, Mm -hmm. a metro ticket found in her possession led to authorities reviewing surveillance tape footage from the Moscow metro system. There they saw her, just hours before death, walking on the platform accompanied by Petrushkin. Hmm. There you go. Petrushkin, once apprehended, led police officers to the scenes of many of his crimes at Bitska Park uh, and demonstrated a keen recollection of how the murders were committed. He was filmed reenacting them in great detail, a process which is a regular part of Russian criminal investigation. Ooh, I'm going to start an organization called Basque, bothered about serial killers. He also revealed that a number of the murders he committed were not done in his preferred method, hammer blows to the back of the head, but by throwing his victims down into the network of sewers running underneath Bitska Park. Whoa, that would kill somebody? Three people were attempted murders, so I think several of them were the ones he had tried to push into the sewer that made it, that survived. Okay. 
Pachushkin was convicted in 2007 of 49 murders and three attempted murders. He asked a Russian court to add an additional 11 victims to his body count, bringing his claim to death toll to 60. During his trial, Pachushkin was housed in a glass cage for uh-huh. his own protection. Oh. Because I guess people might, you know. Because he would, he would throw stones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't do that. The verdict, uh, life in prison with the first 15 years to be spent in solitary confinement. Yeah, I believe he's the worst serial killer in Russian history, and it's a total chess angle on that. Chess, they should have called him the... The Checkmate Killer. Yes, Mm. there you go. Yeah, you know, maybe the Russian press isn't really that good with the nicknames for the killers like they are in North America. Does he have a nickname? I don't think Uh, so, no. uh, They just call him Pachushkin. There was no mention of a nickname. Should be like, uh, you know, the vodka bottle killer. The Castling Killer. Oh, yeah. The Bits of Park Bully. They just called him the bishop. Uh, let's move on to some video games. Okay. I found what I think is What's the, a video game? It's a game uh-huh. that uses uh, an electronic device to be played uh-huh. and a video screen to display parts of the gaming that's going on. Oh, okay. Boom, uh, roasted. Broad definition. So when I, uh, when I uh, attach a car battery to my nipples, that's not a video game. If you make it so that I have a controller and can watch what happens to you on a screen, we could call that a video game. All right. Okay. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we could <laughs> do that. Got a real winner? Uh, we, we could do that for our, uh, for our webisode. Caustic Soda brand video game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's try that out. Uh, what we'll I've... do is we'll hook you up, uh-huh. and then we'll have our fundraiser, Ooh. and then if you d- donate a certain amount, then you uh... can watch live streaming as we shock your nipples with the car battery. Oh, okay. call it uh, Call it shock starter. Ooh, I like oh, it. Oh, nice. Nice. Or, or the more money you give, then you can shock me. Oh, yeah. There's a button. Yeah. You press the key yeah, on, that's your, right. on your keyboard yeah, to yeah. shock Kevin. And then Joe stands behind you with a clipboard and goes, keep turning it up. Do it. Keep pushing the button. You'll, do you, it. You're not going to get five coins. You're not going to get in trouble you... with it for this. Yeah, and then coins Just shoot out of your mouth. It. You have to do this. Yes. Oh, it's, and and it's that's, not be that's how we're bringing Bitcoin back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Except it'll be called Titcoin. Yay! <laughs> so we talked about the video game uh, Postal, I think, on one of our previous shows. I think it yep. was, uh, was it? Um, Rage or Wrath. It, I mean. it could have been Wrath, mm-hmm. yeah. And that to me was kind of one of the most offensive. That's the most offensive video game I've kind of ever played myself. Right. I tried to find one that was worse, and I think I've succeeded. Yay! Ah, right. Ethnic cleansing. Oh, Wow is a 2002 computer game developed by Resistance Records, an underground music label owned by the National Alliance specializing in neo-Nazi and white supremacist bands. Oh, nice. Neo-Nazi video games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The game was developed using Genesis 3D, an open-source game engine. It looks terrible. Uh, 2002, so of course it's going to look bad, but I think even for 2002, it's a terrible, terrible-looking game. These guys are uh, are also trying to license Schindler's List where the German uh, camp officer is the hero and Schindler is the big boss at the end you're trying to stop. (laughs) Well, here's what this game does. What would he be throwing? What would Schindler be throwing? He'd be throwing that ring, that one ring that could have saved lives. With this ring, I could have saved more lives. And then yeah. he throws it. Or, or the paperwork. He's throwing at him paperwork that he's filed to oh, get the yeah, Jews the like, assigned to him. Yeah, parts like, of his list. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you as a protagonist have like a big paper shredder. Instead <laughs> of the hammer, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the game Ethnic Cleansing, the protagonist, the player, can choose to play either a neo-Nazi or a Klansman. Okay. okay. You got to represent in video games. That's yeah. right. You have to have that. You you have to have that screen where you get to choose the different kind of characters you get to play. Oh, so yeah. that that's how you get people engaged. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I always play the Klansman. 
I mean, it's, oh, really? it's, a, it's way superior. Well, right. you just like you you think the robes are that much more comfortable, right? You don't like all that uh all those army boots. It's the burning cross weapon that really sells it for me. Oh, nice. Nice. They run through the ghetto killing African Americans and Latinos before descending into a subway system to kill Jews. Oh, interesting. But we all everybody knows Jews don't ride the subway. I don't know that. <laughs> Finally, he reaches the Yiddish Control Center, what? where wow. a fictionalized version of Ariel Sharon, oh who God. was then Prime Minister of Israel, is directing plans for world wow. domination. Okay, of course he is. The player must then kill him to win the game. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I think you found it. I think yeah. you found the most offensive video game. I, here's, I'm surprised that it's not like a uh, Hollywood movie producer isn't the, the big bad guy at the end, you know? Like, oh, right. oh yeah, yeah. poisoning the minds of young America, <laughs> right? And We must kill Mel Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a YouTube video of a guy trying this game out, and it's not he's not a, a racist. He thinks this is terrible as well. But... You, when you watch him play it, like it's first of it looks terrible, but when he whenever he kills African Americans in it, they give out a chimp like squeak when they die. Oh, like, oh Jesus! God. And then oh fall down dead. It God. is the most offensive piece of crap well, you know I've what? ever by, seen. By watching this video, I I now know that neo Nazis are not game designers. No, no, like the basically parts of it are just dark. Like there's just huge black areas the, where they didn't want to fill in stuff. The graphics leave something to be desired. Yeah, even for 2002. This is uh, terrible. Yeah, the Burger King game for the Xbox that you would get free with a Whopper <laughs> called Sneak King looked a lot better than this. <laughs> uh, does anybody remember that game where you were the did, creepy Burger seeing. King? I do not. I do not. And you would sneak up on people. <laughs> And I think either scare them or give them a Whopper or something. It was a real game called Sneak King. (laughs) Surprise surprise meal. Can we see see video of this? Sneak King. When did this come out? Sneak King came out in 2006. Okay. All right. All right. And this was like a promotional thing? They started selling it with the purchase of value meals. Oh, okay. So let's see. see Uh, Sneak King gameplay. There we go. Sneak King gameplay. So this was four years after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Put this video up on causticsodapodcast.com. All right, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I mean, that is most definitely the, the king with the creepy plastic head from all the commercials. And he, he's got a pretty flowy robe. The robe's got some pretty flowy action to it. That's not half bad. And again, for 2006, having that in is not too bad at all. Yeah, yeah. no, the graphics aren't half bad. Where's the, I, I don't see any of the... Oh. Oh, he's sneaking. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, he's tiptoeing. <laughs> that is amazing. He is tiptoeing with his hands kind of like, you know, uh, dun, out in dun, front of him. Sneaking up on somebody. The guy's thinking about a burger. Uh, I can see a burger oh, thought bubble. Uh, and flourish. Oh, and you hand him a burger. Oh, with a... You know, kind of a Vanna White sort of, here's your burger. Yeah. I want to know where he's getting the wow. burger yeah, from. Yeah, that burger just came out of his ass. Yeah, yeah definitely. Much. There's really no doubt about that. This that this is a marketing gone amok. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty beautiful game. It uh-huh. looks it looks pretty amazing. Uh, I feel like it would wear thin very quickly. Oh yes, yes. I remember finding it at a used game store for like three dollars. Mm-hmm. Three dollars, that's outrageous. That is an outrageous price for that game. You could get a burger for three dollars and I would rather have that. You could get like two burgers for three dollars. At Burger King. Mm-hmm. Can we go get burgers? Mm, after the show. All done right. and done. I'm going to sneak up on you guys while you're thinking about burgers. Oh, yeah? And then just and then present. pull a burger out of your butt and present yep. it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Butt burger. The role-playing game, Fatal. Uh-huh. Uh, F.A.T.A.L. And it's a bad game because everyone dies the first time they play? 
No, that's Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm-hmm. Mm. But actually, Dungeon Crawl Classics is a good game. I'll put that out. I, I found it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Fatal itself stood for Fantasy Adventure to Adult Lechery in the game's first edition. Lechery. It was subsequently changed to From Another Time, Another Land. That is these, better. These sound yeah. like acronyms that are invented by five-year-olds. Or Kevin. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The most infamous and prevalent form of objectionable material is Fatal's bizarre and juvenile sexual content. Mm. For instance, character creation includes the calculation of statistics such as areola size, right, uh-huh. vaginal circumference potential, potential, and, okay, okay, and mm. hymen resistance. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm. This is a pretty yeah. And here we go. Trigger warning. Yeah. Worse. The game blithely condones rape as a character activity and contains many other instances of blatant misogyny, not to mention casual racism. Uh-huh. For example, magic items included cursed armor types, which would transform PCs into racial stereotypes. Oh, right. Great. Of secondary concern is the monstrously overly complicated rule system, which requires unwieldy dice rolls, convoluted mathematical formula, and tables for everything the designer could conceivably make one for, many of which are bizarre, such as the infamous magical fumbles table, and again, sexually obsessive, such as the formula for increased penile penetration during a certain position of intercourse. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, listen, just because it's more complicated doesn't mean it's better. I just, I just love that there is a set after all of that horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh... It's complicated. The to rules play. are overly yeah. complicated. Yeah, it's like yeah. hold hold on. Now, what about the first part? <laughs> right. I think, th- yeah. Now, why the chicken might have done it, I just couldn't say. But if I'm gonna make it home, this is the only way. Five lanes of traffic and embankment, then a stream. It's like it's some kind of amphibianic fever dream. The total lack of law enforcement on this road's a crime. I'd write a letter, but I simply haven't got the time. Give me a call tomorrow if I haven't died. And I can tell you how I made it to the other side. If I make it to the other side. If you want to ride, I'll take you to the place we're heading toward. Hop on board, let's share this road together. Hop on board, we'll bear this load forever. If you're with me, there'll never be a river we Stop us, baby. Hop on board. Hop on board. Now that you have got. 
in the news. January 2010, 15-year-old Romanian Ionuț Silviu Savin was addicted to gaming and the internet, which led him to rack up to 200 absences from school. Well, okay. wait, how many, how how many, many school days, days school are there? <laughs> well, I'm yeah. guessing over a few years. Uh, this is Romania, uh-huh. so maybe they're not so good at actually chasing down truant kids. I don't know. Mm-hmm. His adoptive mother believed the only solution for Yonuts w- to no longer spend so much time in front of the computer was to no longer pay internet fees. Okay, so she cuts off the internet. So she cuts off the internet. When Yonuts discovered this, he stabbed her 17 times. Mm. That is internet withdrawal. That is an internet withdrawal sy- uh, symptom. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, un- unstoppable stabbing motions yeah. with the hand. I'm it was going, just a terrible shame he was holding a butter knife. He is going through internet withdrawal, and she is going through knife insertion. That's right. Mm-hmm. Only three hours after stabbing the woman, Yonuts was seen in his favorite internet cafe, where he played the shooter Counter-Strike for four hours. Police mm. later discovered Yonuts had taken all the money he'd found at his house. Sure. Okay. The woman's dead body was discovered by her husband as he returned home from work. He immediately called police. Yonuts turned himself into police of his own accord, calmly saying, I think I'm the one you're looking for. Mm. This is why we have to become SM... A C S smacks, okay. Stabbed mothers against Counter Strike. Ah, there you go. There you go. I like it. Uh, or uh, uh, and we can sell heroin too. Yes. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah. Or <laughs> any projects that we come up with. You got to fundraise. The supervisor of the internet cafe noted that Yonitz would come in all the time and play Counter Strike quietly alone with a hood over his head. She noted that he wouldn't swear like most players when he was losing and never got angry. Right. He would rarely speak. Oh, because he got all of his anger up by stabbing his mother. Uh, and and he, here it comes. Yeah. His teacher called him quiet and introverted. Boom. Mm, there yeah. it is. It's, it's, that, it's the introverts that are to blame for everything. Well, they save we it, should we should yell at them and make them feel uncomfortable. They <laughs> save their anger up into a little ball and then cover and it, up it through stabbings until it becomes a rage pearl. Right? Oh, rage, rage pearl! Yeah. That is definitely going to be something that a barbarian finds in an upcoming game. Nice, because there's a <laughs> really the annoying thing pearl. at the center, and then you just cover it up because it's yeah. Yonuts uh, is currently, and that is as of the writing of the article, I couldn't find any follow-ups, hospitalized under guard in a psychiatric clinic. Psychiatric examinations will reveal if Yonuts was fully competent at the time of the crime. Mm-hmm. If he's found guilty of murder, he faces 12 years in prison. Experts have commented that the nature of the crime, these 17 stabs, is indicative of mental health problems. Yeah, I usually stop mm-hmm. at like four. Am I right, guys? Right. Well, I think, I think what it is- Four is like sane, 17, insane. Somebody right. gets stabbed, uh, prime number- of times, oh, it's insane, right? Right, yeah, yeah. no, it, it, normal people stab an even number of times. Yeah, I go on a stabbing spree uh, with uh, the Fibonacci sequence. So <laughs> the guy once, that guy once, that guy twice, that guy. Okay, <laughs> this nice. is too smart. This is over. Yeah, <laughs> you've reached a level. Like yeah, but you know what? You're going to get one me. person yeah. emailing and going. Eric Phil made a really great reference. Because <laughs> yeah. that's usually what happens it. when I'm in an audience of 200 people. I yeah. make a gag like that, and yeah. one person goes, yes! <laughs> and then they tweet about it, and I feel better an hour later yeah. when they go, you made a lost skeleton of cadaver reference. February 2012, Taiwan. Chen Rong Yu. Wrong me? Very wrong you. Mm-hmm. Had paid for 23 hours of web access to play League of Legends at an internet cafe. Now, 23 hours in a row? Or... Yeah. 23 hours, like, over a period of time. Yeah, in mm-hmm. a row. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's cool. Chen, a frequent customer at the cafe, was sitting in the first row 
when his head drooped slightly and his hands were stiff at 3 p.m. Wednesday. Okay. All right. At 3 p.m. in the middle of the day, head drooped, hands stiff. Got it. The waitress approached Chen when his 23 hours were up. Like how many hours later? (laughs) Nine. Nine hours later? Yeah. Okay. He hadn't moved in nine hours? Yeah. And saw that his face was blackened? What? And he was sitting rigidly in the chair. Oh, When she moved Chen's chair away from the desk, the man's hands remained outstretched as if still gaming. In the gaming position. <laughs> or, or, or in the, uh, the mummy position in yeah. Scooby-Doo cartoons. Yes. Or, yeah. or in the organ playing position from the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. Vampira in Plan 9 from Outer Space. Okay. Uh, booby touching? No, that, 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 that wasn't this guy's problem. I thought that he was only dozing off and paid no particular attention, the waitress who made the mm. grim discovery said. She's obviously not told to upsell. Look, yeah. we got these guys in here. Make them pay for more drinks. Make, yeah, get, yeah. Come get on. some... Uh, Move some nachos. Yeah. The, right? uh, the monster energy drinks. Yeah. There were 10 other people in the cafe at the time of the discovery, but most remained in front of their computers and showed little interest as what? police cordoned off the area. What? Uh, uh, wait, they showed in little interest as police were yes, cordoning yes, off? Like, yeah. Don't stop distracting me. Stop, I'm busy. I'm, I'm on, getting I'm, all the coins. I'm on Summoner's Rift. Mid, <laughs> mid, mid. Initial investigations indicated that the man may have died of organ failure or cardiac arrest. I wonder what everybody thought the blackening of his face was being caused by. Mm, the People radiation just... from the from the screen. Oh, it was a lighting thing. <laughs> they were yeah. still using the CRT monitors. Yeah, yes. So his face was blackening right before their very eyes. He was yeah. getting microwaved. It's, uh, I mean, if it's cardiac arrest, I mean, maybe he wasn't taking care of himself, you know, doing a lot of gaming and not getting a lot of exercise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the really disturbing thing is everybody else is just like, mm, and they just keep playing how old was this guy 23 23 years old He's 23 years old bought 23 mm. hours of web access yeah Ooh, uh the, the, in celebration and that next year it would have been 24 hours maybe i he think would have, he would have done himself in eventually yes, yeah it sure. was it was his champagne gaming day yeah exactly it's his birthday i'm gonna game as many hours as i've spent years on the earth who goes into an internet cafe with the plan of playing 23 hours straight? Oh, I know. A guy who dies while playing. Yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. I, I have the equivalent of a gaming cafe in my house, and I'm a crazy gamer, and I don't play for 23 hours in a row. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't play for five anymore, uh, which I used to. Mm-hmm. This is why we have to form Small, the somewhat miffed about League of Legends. <laughs> okay. I don't think it was League of Legends that's the problem. Uh, clearly it is. <laughs> yeah, clearly it is. Uh, I The girl that I was living with uh, started playing League of Legends oh. and reconnected with an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and, and now they live together. Oh. oh. Yeah. So uh, In your house? That was probably yes, all... in my house. Yeah. It's, it's getting a little weird. In some kind of a league? You're going to form Mal. Mad about League of Legends. Right. Yes, Mad. <laughs> oh, except that's more like Mad about you. Maybe that's the name of his, your sitcom. Yeah, Mad it's, about Mad about, about Paul Reiser. That's what it's going to be called. <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be Cue Ball. Yeah, quite bitter about League of Legends. <laughs> okay, I like this. There you go. Quite bitter about. Okay, let's let's form Cue Ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> but only bald people are allowed. We can do this all day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, move on to talk about Gamergate. 
Oh. Wow, did this oh. bring up a lot of drama when so I started th- researching this is it. a doorway which gamers walk through to enter a gaming environment. <sighs> if only. It's mm-hmm. a term, uh, it's basically a reference to Watergate. It's, you know, uh-huh. Watergate, whatever gate. Yes, if there's any scandal, all you have to do now is put gate at the end of the word. Yeah. There is an amazing Mitchell and Webb sketch about that. Oh, is that uh-huh. right? Where they start talking about different gates, like Watergate gate. Right. What? Yes. Watergate gate. Yes, a gate or scandal that took place at the Watergate Hotel. Watergate oh, gate. Yeah. Because otherwise, Watergate would just be a scandal about water. You're totally yeah. right. That's yeah, that true. was so that's like I said, that's Mitchell and Webb. I oh, yeah. highly recommend it. They, I did love it. Them. they did it better than us already. Mm-hmm. Damn them. Bastards. In 2013, indie game developer Zoe Quinn created the text adventure game Depression Quest. Oh, text adventure. I am intrigued. Depression Quest. So it was they uh, the game's purpose was to find slight indentations in the earth. <laughs> it was more about the psychological depression and oh. uh, and how I mm. think she dealt with it. I I don't have a copy of the game, so I haven't tried it. Uh, I've heard differing uh, reviews of it. I mean, it's apparently fairly uh, you know indie and amateur. Some people really felt that uh, it was good and uh, helped them deal with their own depression. Other people just got super mad mm. that uh, she got any kind of recognition for writing what they felt was simple and about a dumb, stupid topic. Right. Well, so you, you know, can kind of tell the maturity level of both sides. Yeah, of this. and and if if one person is helped by it, then then good. Then that's good. Yes. Right. Mm. If one person is helped by it at all, then it's it's a success. Let, but let what me... if two people are hurt by it? Well, then it would be Dungeons and Dragons, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Let me uh, give their counter argument. Mm-hmm. But what about me? Okay, that mm. was their argument. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Gamer. Yeah. Thank you, every other gamer on the internet. Shortly following the full release of Depression Quest on Steam in August 2014, that's mm. just last month, Quinn's former boyfriend, Aaron Gyonji, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I think his name fu- is Douche Nozzle McFuckface. Yeah, yeah I, fuck his name. Mm. Wrote a post on several gaming sites and forums containing a series of allegations, amongst which was that Quinn had cheated on him with Kotaku journalist Nathan Grayson. Okay, what does that have to do with her game? Well, uh, apparently Nathan, uh, well, Kotaku is a website that writes game reviews and oh, talks about okay. games. All right. This led to allegations from Quinn's opponents in the gaming community <clears throat> that the relationship had resulted in favorable media coverage. However, Kotaku's editor-in-chief, Stephen Totillo, affirmed the two had a relationship, but stated that Grayson had not written anything about Quinn after becoming involved with her and had never reviewed her games. Why would you even take a position? Right. Why would you even... Remark on the entire affair at all. The only article Grayson had written about Quinn was about a failed Game Jam web reality show that she had been a contestant on. Right. And in it, he's, he talks about her and mentions her game a couple times and has a few quotes about her experience in the Game Jam. Mm. And that happened months before they even met. Yeah, that was months like, before. Or months yeah. before they got together. I mean, okay. I guess they, right. they'd met at Game Jam. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a favorable, it's just talking about the Game Jam. And she happens to be in the article. Like, you go look at it, and there's nothing to even complain about, even if she had said, I will fuck you if you mention this. But what's the gate? Where's the gate? And at what point in time does the gate get involved? Well... Quinn and her family were subsequently targeted by a virulent campaign of harassment, including doxing, which is publicly releasing personal information, threats of rape, hacking attempts, and at least one death threat. But why? So there's two reasons why. There's Uh the claimed reason, which is journalistic ethics, Uh which if you look at the evidence is total bullshit. Uh Total bullshit. Bullshit. I'm sorry. But, but if here's anybody the thing. listening here's the to this thing. thinks here, here, that this is about journalistic ethics, you have to go and look at the articles that were actually written on Kotaku. Okay. Wait, wait, we've already... Uh, okay. like, here's the thing. 
even if it is about journalistic ethics, which is the better of the two arguments. And it's I'm a assuming, fine thing to talk about. Right. But even if it is about journalistic ethics, exactly why is a measured response to that a rape threat and yeah. a death threat? Oh, yeah. Well, this because, is the part I don't understand. Because the real reason for this is slut shaming and misogyny. This is uh, anti-feminist because mm-hmm. she's, a, she's a vocal feminist. She believes that more women should get involved in uh, indie gaming. She thinks that uh, more women should be featured in that and that, that the uh, gaming journalism should talk more about that. Uh-huh. And again, if you disagree with that, why don't you disagree with that like a grown-up and write your well-reasoned rebuttal? Well, right. of course, they don't have well-reasoned rebuttals, so all they have are rape threats, hacking attempts, and death threats. Because they're fourteen-year-old children, even if they're full-grown adults. I am. I'm just. I'm utterly baffled by this whole scenario. I don't even understand. It's out. I don't understand what. Why there is a gate? Like I don't understand why. Well, that's 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 because and against what these guys say about you all the time. That's because you're a reasonable human being. I like. I don't understand the gate part. Like I don't know. I don't know why we're even talking about it. Like how did this become a gate? I'll get to it. Okay. Quinn begins couch surfing with friends out of fear that she'd be tracked to her home. The New Yorker reported an example of the threats. Quote, next time she shows up at a conference, we give her a crippling injury that's never going to fully heal. A good solid injury to the knee. I'd say brain damage, but we don't want to make it so she ends up too retarded to fear us. I don't. Thank you, Internet. Why? Why are there physical threats against a person because she's dating a a video game uh, journalist? Well, okay, so they talk about more that she, so she cheated on her boyfriend with this guy. Which Alleg- made, allegedly, something. I don't know if there's been much denial of that fact. Like, so it may be that she's true of being a crappy girl. Well, Again, someone not denying something to her. Yeah, I agree with Eric. <laughs> yeah. But I don't understand. But it also what, is completely irrelevant. You're what right. What does that have to do with her putting out a game and dating a game journalist? Why is this a thing? Why are we talking this, about this? This is this is what reasonable journalists and things are saying. It's like, I'm why so is this confused. why is this happening? This is so a complete fucking. We're talking waste. about it because the people complaining are gamers, and we're talking about gaming and caustic gaming, and oh, gamers fuck. themselves, a a decent amount of them anyway, are shitheads. Why? But uh, I why well, why are people giving her I'll death get, threats? I'll and get rape to the source threats. of this. I'll get to the source of this. Hold on. I'm so confused. Dora. The harassment expanded to include the feminist media critic Anita Sarkeesian, who had experienced prior harassment from members of the gamer community over her tropes versus women in video games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to include all of those videos uh, in the podcast, oh, po- in the post for do. this. Please do. I mean, they're excellent. Yeah, they're really they, good. It mm-hmm. basically sums up like, hey, you know, women should be treated better in games. There should be more representation. Yeah. And, and then that, people, that's it. That's her point. And then people lost their minds. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're well, like, she's lying in those videos. And then when you say, well, point out the lies. And there's one where it's like, well, you don't have to do that in that one Hitman game where you backtracked and killed that hooker. And it's like, okay, so that's incorrect. What about all the rest of it? No, but she's lying. Well, the, I mean, this is the level of discourse that we're dealing with from the other side in this argument. None of them have a leg to stand on. It's just hate. Right. We are talking about a new form of a hate group that's forming. Right. That's my opinion. Oh, yeah. That and And this Gamergate feels like recruiting right because they know that their argument is dead uh-huh. and they keep it up anyway they keep it up on the social media they had a gamergate hashtag this was a whole hashtag 
campaign where they just repeated over and over and over and over again to try and get people who didn't know the full story, who didn't look it up to find out what the journalistic ethics details were, uh-huh. who didn't realize that it's total bullshit. They just heard she fucked some guy for a good review of her game and then didn't bother to go find out that there was never a review of her game uh-huh. and that their sexual encounter was well after any article he'd ever written mentioning her. Right. So once you hear that, you realize it's bullshit. But these guys don't care. They just hate her and they hate feminism and they hate what they call, quote, social justice warriors. Right. Like, so your argument might be that if it was a dude that fucked uh, a journalist for a favorable review, that they might not have been so virulent? No, I think that it, well, I think that if that had actually happened, they probably would have been angry about that, but they probably wouldn't have given him rape or death threats. But Mm. if the journalist was Mm. a female, it would have been directed at her. Yeah, you're totally right. Been, oh, been, wow. You're yeah, totally right. It would have right. been, she's a big slut trying to get yeah. more views, yeah. so she has sex with this guy who made this game. It is sad that we understand how these dickheads think. So this totally is misogyny, right? right? Just, this is just it's total, straight up total misogyny. misogyny. It, is, it is fear. Mm. It is f- just weird, unfounded yeah. fear from yeah, I'm gonna speak. Heads. I'm going to speak directly to those guys here, because we have a lot of these people. Well, let me, let, me tell you about, let me tell you about the organization behind this. Okay, I'm going to speak directly to those people. On September 9th, Quinn, I think that's when, Quinn released logs from a 4chan, that's the 4chan mm-hmm. website, IRC channel used specifically to attack her and her followers on her feminist views, showing clearly how manufactured the outrage over Gamergate had been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a link to the storified link of that that she's got, where she shows screenshots of their IRC, where they're basically just saying, keep it up and let's try and make her commit suicide and uh, all that kind of stuff and admitting that it was only four or five of them creating a whole bunch of sock puppet accounts Mm -hmm. to go around and make it look like there's outrage and then try to get that outrage to catch on. Right. And it did. Uh And so we actually know a lot of people who think that Gamergate is actually about journalistic ethics because of these fuckheads in this channel who Uh just basically made it their evil plot to try to ruin a woman's life for daring to be a woman in gaming with an opinion about women in gaming. I'm going to talk to these guys. Continue. Gentlemen, and I use the term loosely, don't fear the lady folk. They're just like us, only with, you know, less dangly parts. Just because you haven't seen very many vaginas doesn't mean that they're out to get you, even though you're probably out to get them in a myriad of different ways, emotionally and physically. (laughs) So just... Cut it out. And act like a normal person. Grow the fuck up. That's what I say. Yeah, mm. that's what it is. It's it is. It's grow the fuck up. Yep. That's basically it. Grow the fuck up. Just mm. Yeah. All right. That's the uh the most nonsensical story we may have ever done in this whole uh podcast. Yeah, Last, and, like and five seasons. It is also one of the things that uh, just you know, hearing about it, it actually like fills me with rage. Yeah. It really does Uh-oh. enrage me that people would treat someone like uh, that. Oh, rage gate coming up. Yeah. Eric, Eric Rage, Eric Eric. And, and and people people who know me know that sometimes I I get enraged, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is but usually it's about things like this. Yeah. See, I thought you're just red in the face because your like complexion is like that, but uh, you're actually you know getting. Yeah, a little I'm ginger and I had a bit of sun. Yeah. So there is that. <laughs> but it's seriously when I when I hear about stuff like this, it just it just, just mm-hmm. like we're we yeah fuck those guys yeah Matt, I've watched three episodes of. Uh, Gamer tropes versus women. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is that what it's called? Yep. yep. Found them very insightful. Yeah, they, they oh, are. Yeah. They're well thought out. They're well like it's. They're great. Oh yeah, she did her homework. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I liked about it was when I watched it, I at first I was, you know, being a gamer, you get a little nervous that it's going to, like, take down your lo- beloved hobby. Mm-hmm. But she, you can really tell she likes games. Like, she loves video games. She knows all about these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's and, not, not, at and no she's time does saying, she come across as, like, a hater. Yeah, she's, she's like, like here's, a, the, here's a detailed intelligent yeah. analysis yeah, of this topic. Yeah, because she's like, here's the issues, and I bring them forward because I love games. Right? Yeah, she's not a uh, Patricia Pulling who's, you know, going on an anti-D&D crazed hunt and saying it's about Satanism and it's got to be banned and your kids have to stop playing games. Mm-hmm. She's really going, hey, so... Games kind of don't well, treat women as equally they, as men, and maybe we should try to fix that so that there's better representation. Yeah, but there, there, are, there are games about Satanism, right? You know, yeah. That Diablo game about Satanism? Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Where's Patricia Pulling now? Uh, dead, actually. She died of cancer. Ah, satanic cancer. Got some links to some chat logs and stuff like that to put up for this. It's When you look at what this came from it's total bunk but i'm gonna say this right now because i know that we've got people who care about the journalistic ethics thing if you're gonna if you want to talk about that drop the gamergate hashtag you got to start a whole new conversation you can't talk about zoe quinn it's her story is not about journalistic ethics yeah it's, it's com- about misogyny and hate it's a complete non-issue i mean yeah. the the editor of kotaku yeah. said here's why it's a non-issue here's the proof so yeah just fuck all that that's that is just bullshit yeah absolutely Let's move on to pop culture and talk about fun things. Let's talk about fun things. Uh, Eric, we watched Dark Dungeons. Yes, which we, is <laughs> which is based on the Chick Tract by Jack Chick. Yes. Yeah. The uh, Christian conservative uh, comic maker? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's hard. I mean, it's a comic, I guess. The, the Frank Miller of his day. When was his day? I'm throwing it down on Frank Miller. When, when, was, uh, when was this guy's day? Uh, early eighties. Track was uh, yeah, yeah during the heyday of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, not that right. it's still not a heyday, but hey, day. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? You know what I'm playing? 1984 is when Dark Dungeons came out. The, okay, uh, the comic the that was slamming Dungeons and Dragons. He Ooh. just releases these crazy uh, religious anti pop culture little comics and anti just harmless things and How blows them completely out of proportion. How ironic is it that he creates a pop culture thing to trash pop culture? So the basic premise is people are playing Dungeons and Dragons. They get too involved in their characters. One of the person's character dies, and then she commits suicide. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but uh, oh, and there's also black magic as real. Yeah, because mm. once they hit level eight or something, they get to learn how to actually cast real spells. Right. Got it. Yeah, it's complete and utter crap. So what happened That's is That's why I only take my Dungeons and Dragons games up to level seven because I don't want my right. players learning those spells. No, because then and they and might then, take over your yeah. position. Yeah. What if they come master. after you? What if they usurp you? Maybe exactly. Yeah. You don't want that to happen. No. Can't get them too close to the dungeon master level. Mm-hmm. So what happened is a guy uh, did a Kickstarter to try and raise funds to get the movie rights to that one specific comic mm-hmm. from Jack Chick. Yeah, he ended up raising a ton of money from a whole bunch of uh, gamer places, and uh, Zombie Orpheus offered to actually turn it into a film. Right, Zombie Orpheus. Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. They're from. Uh, they're from. Are they all up from here? Or I think they're from Seattle. It's from Seattle. Okay, and. Uh, they released this movie. It's uh, to, it's been released. I know to their backers on the Kickstarter, and mm-hmm. uh, I have a copy of it. It's serviceable. It uh, it kind of hits the notes. Uh, and serviceable, it, you mean it serviceable you? to the serviceable to the comedy that's that's intrinsically in the Chick Track. The Chick Track is hilarious because you read that comic and uh-huh. you're like, this is 
utter fantasy. It has nothing right. to do with what Dungeons and Dragons is really like. This is a crazy person imagining what it's like. Yeah. And they play that up pretty well in the movie, but it's a little amateurish. I don't, I, I watched it thinking, why doesn't this look totally professional? Right. Um, they used, they used great cameras. They used great cameras and stuff like that. Like yeah. really, really good cameras. They used a yeah. black magic camera. I think they used a red. Red, red epic? Uh, yeah. Is and they so said? they used like, like really professional level cameras. I think the issue there is just color timing. And yeah. that is, that is a skill. Like if okay. you watch standard action, which is actually also put up by Zombie Orpheus. Oh, cool! And you know the standard action people. Joanna Gaskell's mm-hmm. been a host uh, or a guest on your show. Rob Hunt, who directed the episodes, is brilliant at color timing, and it's really that's the difference. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It, it, and, but sometimes that takes really long to render. They might have they might have had to keep rendering it for another year or yeah. something. Right. So they raised the money for this film. Yep. And they had Jack Chick's permission to do so. I, I think they said, what are you... I'm guessing Chick probably... His rights are involved, obviously. Probably had a, right. a release house that, that just was handling it for him. I'm, I don't know how... He's, he's how 90. Rights. He's 90. They basically said, we want to get the movie rights to that. And pr- he probably didn't ask for the details. But but this is not a conservative, fundamentalist Christian movie. No. Okay, sorry. You're right. I totally didn't say it. This mm. is basically a tongue-in-cheek version of the Chick tract, uh, Dark Dungeons, in mm. that they kind of kind of hint that the girls are have lesbian attraction between the two of them as they're going into it and like totally play up the golly gee whiz we love jesus and there's this scene at the beginning where they're they're entering college and they're getting the the guy is teaching them all about college and then all of a sudden some like leather wearing rocker looking people come down the hall and there's music and they're like who are they those are the RPGers. Ooh. We've been trying to get them kicked off campus, but they're too popular. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I remember those days. Yeah, do you yes. remember that? <laughs> there's would, no one I was would, more popular than the gamers. The school. When, I, when I was at SFU, the gaming group there was called the Gamesters of Triskelion. Yes! yes. Star Trek. By the way, are not actually gamesters. They're gamblers. <laughs> the gamblers of Triskelion. Yeah, yeah. They're gamblers. The gamesters, yeah, those are the gamesters of Triskelion. But, yeah, and there was a... A guy, I remember it was a guy, and he would only always wear purple. Uh-huh. <gasps> I've met him. I've met him, uh, and I, that's where I learned about the game Triskelion. And his nickname was Rufus. Yes. <laughs> I have not thought about that man in like 15 years. Yeah, I, it just he just popped into my head, and he would always wear purple. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I would be hard-pressed wow. not to say, hey, Rufus, looking great today. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. I, I'll, I'll applaud that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's worth it. Yeah. So, Dark Dungeons. Yes. Did they have the part where you see the characters in their realize and then we enter the fantasy world that they're in? And did, was that kind of stuff going on or was it all like more like was, mazes and monsters? It was mostly them mm-hmm. sitting around a table describing what they were doing. And okay. then at the end, they switched to LARPing. I'm bringing you to the next right. level, LARPing. Sure. So they had to wear costumes. But they weren't going out LARPing. They were just standing in a room. They still in the same room. <laughs> with, with their costumes on. With their costumes mm-hmm. on, yeah. yeah. That's fair. And, and it is interesting. It is a 39-minute film. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So not so it, it is. It is not a feature length right. film. We right. should all, we should also keep that in mind because I was like, how are they gonna take this thing and and, and milk this comment. for ninety yeah. minutes? Yeah. yeah, they didn't. Right. Yeah. Okay. They, they they went. Nah. They probably went. We probably can't get ninety minutes out of. This. So it's it's a thirty nine minute film. Probably mm-hmm. could have been shorter. I think they could have tightened it up and made it better. I I don't want to diss it too much. It's fun. It is. It is. You know. You know. If but you can say something is fun and not great. Yeah. It do, it, it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. If the tin says Dark Dungeons, the movie. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Got it. What about Mazes and Monsters? Are we going to talk about that or not? It's a TV movie. It kind of covers what Dark Dungeons covers. And Tom Hanks is in it. Okay. Yeah. 
Tom Hanks is in it. I, I remember watching it and being a little bored by it. Yes. Yeah. It's not great. Absolutely. I am wondering. I feel if you watch the trailer, you're good. Right. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. But so there the, is that kind of awkward moment at the end because the, the climax of the film takes place in the World Trade Center. Right. That's true. As the first mm-hmm. time I've ever seen the interiors of the World Trade Center was in that movie. Well, this mm-hmm. movie was, as I recall, it's either based on or inspired by. Uh, oh, the Rona Jaffe book. Yeah, this this that, kid who did who had a mental tunnels, illness. Yeah. James and, Dallas Egbert the third. Egbert. Mm-hmm. This was part of the whole you know satanic scare D and D nineteen eighties thing mm-hmm. where people were killing their parents and each yeah, other and themselves right. because of mm-hmm. Satanism in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, giving themselves blowjobs and whatnot. But really, it's just sometimes people have mental illnesses and sometimes those people also play role playing games. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just exactly. Like sometimes they play hockey, uh, or killed- sometimes they watch move- movies. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. sometimes they tie their shoes. Yeah, yeah, that shoelace tying that that's a big lead to a whole bunch. I mean, all people who go to war tie their shoelaces, right? Oh my god! Except for the Velcro ones. You've made the do correlation. They have, do they have Velcro military boots yet? Yes. Uh-huh. Is that how we're finally bringing peace to the world? <laughs> now, someone told me that in the states, with the, with some of the uniforms, they're now getting rid of the Velcro and going back it to make, snaps because it makes too much noise on the yeah. battlefield. Or they're going to buttons, or yeah, they're going to buttons or snaps. Or they something. spent a lot of money I'm trying to invent up. silent Velcro. Really? Yeah. So the reason that you have removable stuff is so that when you're going into war, you can take off as much identifying uh, signatures, as, identifying pieces as possible. So if you die or get captured, they can't tell, oh, the f- 501st was here. So now we know that they're not over there where we thought they were, right? Yeah, because in World War II, the SS guys were, I believe they were tattooed on their armpit. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that, like, their that blood hurts. their blood type was tattooed on their armpit. Oh. So go, oh, this will make it easier. But then after the war, that's how a lot of the allies mm. tracked them down. They went, right. what? Lift up your arm. Hey, it's this guy. Mm. <laughs> Forethought. Yeah, there you go. Well, they never thought they were going to lose, so, you know. Yeah, that's uh, the power of positive thinking. That's right. That's the secret. Mm-hmm. So, Mazes and Monsters... Yeah. Was a TV movie starring Tom Hanks that talked about the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons and how you, if you do Dungeons and Dragons, you are going to kill everybody that you know and then yourself? If you want to see Tom Hanks crying in a phone booth, this is the movie for you. Oh, wow. I think I stabbed someone. I, th- I don't remember what happened. That's a really good Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> that was That's a that really was very, good very Tom good. Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's the gamer actual... that goes off the deep end. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. He becomes his character. They do a lot of role playing in the sewers underneath the city. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there, it's kind of so like LARPing, a... not actual yeah. gaming. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. right. Because actual gaming where you sit around a table and like have a whole stack of papers and manuals in front of you. Honestly, that didn't happen watching in Mazes and Monsters, I was like, yeah, I want to do that kind of gaming. Yeah, I, I want to go into the sewers and Back set in... up like monster, you know, paper mache monsters. That and would shit. be an awesome thing to do for a party. Yeah, like back in 1982 or yes. now. Now. Constantly. It, well, at all times. He, I want it to it never stop. It started when he saw it in 82 and it has not stopped now. Yeah. Still wants to do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah, let's get all our non-mentally uh, shaky friends together and do that, and <laughs> I, then there'll be no problem. I don't have such yeah, people. Say, yeah. 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 No, no, no. yeah. I do not know such people. <laughs> don't associate with any of those which guys. Is, which is why you've been thinking about doing it for 32 years and haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's like, you know, the fun of laser tag. Like, why mm. not do a yeah. fantasy one? Yeah. Sword tag. With mm. sword, laser swords. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Ah! Let's just, like, nerf crossbows and stuff. Oh, there you go. So, bad movie, good movie? What do we think? Movie. I'm 
gang, just movie, bad period. TV movie. I mean, yeah. it's it's bad. Uh, the the Egbert story that it's quote unquote based on, mm-hmm. he killed himself with a shotgun, with a with a firearm, like he shot himself and died. Mm-hmm. And then they happened to find out that he owned some D and D manuals and played D and D. And then that's how that whole thing got tied in. Mazes and Monsters just makes it so he loses his mind because of the game and goes wandering around and like stabs somebody and all sorts of things happen while he's in this fugue state mm-hmm. caused by thinking he's his character. None of that has anything to do with the actual story behind this. Do you guys sometimes think, what if this is your fugue state? (laughs) Yes. Like, seriously, what if this is my fugue state? It explains the popularity of Caustic Soda. It's Mm. not actually popular. I'm just out of my mind. Mm. But like, I'm going to wake up one morning and someone's going to go, Eric, no, you've been an accountant this whole time. Where have you been? (laughs) Let's move on to Tron. Always. Yeah. Uh Why? Was that something to do with games? Grid bugs. I thought it was a movie about a guy named Thaddeus Ron. T Ron. T Ron. T was uh, L. Ron Hubbard's brother. Yeah, there you go. His little brother who inherited a fortune. He had a mohawk. Mm-hmm. They called him Mister. <laughs> I pity the fool who doesn't believe in Dianetics. <laughs> I like it. There, that's, that's the movie that's I watched. T Ron Hubbard. T Ron. Mister T Ron Hubbard. <laughs> uh, so Tron was a 1982 American science fiction film uh, released by Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. I always forget that. It is released by Walt Disney Productions. Walt Disney Productions. And uh, it was subsequently sure. forgotten by Disney. Yeah. And I just remember, like, for years after going, looking for Tron merchandise and stuff, and it wasn't until 2002 that they released a single pin in their Disney store no, that said no, Tron. You, you could, you well, could, there was a couple figures in 82. Them, you could get them in your shreddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 82, but nothing between 82 and 2002. <laughs> no. That's right. I remember the Tron cycle and the shreddies with the little pull yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yes! Those were cool. Those that were cool. Awesome. They didn't leave behind the line, though, which was really... That... <laughs> yeah. But I had... I had uh, Snafu on my Intellivision. So I'll be like, this is Tron. Yeah. There's another reference that are going to get. And then the music would speed up. And then there's the other song we go, didn't, 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 didn't. We love the snafu. I played the hell out of the Tron arcade game. Like the one where it had the rotating dial and the joystick and it had multiple different games. It was hard as shit. Oh yeah, it was impossible. And yeah. I got good at it. No, woof, yeah. man. I, I got sick and tired of d- dropping coins in that game. That's I was a total TV arcade show. rat, yes. I was an arcade rat too, but I was like, my quarters go a lot farther on elevator action than on Tron. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got some Tron trivia. I think we most know, m- most of us know what it Tron. is. You know, you, yeah. the guy gets zapped into the video game world and has to fight against the big bad guy. There. But he teams up with Bruce Boxleitner, which makes it super awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bruce Now, Boxleitner did anybody watch Tron... Legacy? Uh, that was the cartoon, right? Oh, no, no, Tron Uprising was the cartoon. Tron Uprising it was the cartoon. Saw, Excellent. I saw the first few episodes. I really dug it. It's really, really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tron Uprising, I very much recommend it. I don't think it got very much crit- good reviews. Well, it got good reviews, but like it didn't kind of catch on. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yep. They used Bruce Bockleisner as the voice of Tron. In yes, Tron they Uprising. did. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was very impressed with that. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, there's Captain Sheridan. Yeah, gorgeous art, great characters, good stories, uh, follows through nicely, a nice new character to kind of be the center of yeah. the story uh i liked what they did oh yeah, and your favorite I, I really the it. bad guy the bad guy is in oh, tra- frank in- black oh from millennium oh you you're talking about uh lance, lance henrickson. henrickson i was lance like, henrickson wait, black yeah. francis from the pixies <laughs> I, that's exactly what i was about to say the pixies guys the pixies? he would be a, he would be good too yeah yeah uh, we're better than lance henrickson 
Uh, to inspire the actors while filming, arcade games were placed on the production set of Tron and could be played during downtime. Wow. Jeff Bridges apparently was the most adept at the games and found it hard to tear himself away from a game yeah. to shoot a scene. That's awesome. That, I wonder what his yeah. favorite game was. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear. Uh, Frogger. Mm. It's wild, man. You're just trying to get that frog to the other side. Yeah. Sure. Because, man. <laughs> Did it held the room together, man. <laughs> oh, yes. Rug. The <laughs> yeah. video, rug with the video rug game. Rug the yeah. video game. <laughs> Uh, although the film was initial failure, the arcade video games based on it proved to be a tremendous hit and actually outgrossed the film. Wow. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That I did not expect. And here's a little thing. The film was disqualified from receiving an Academy Award nomination Uh-oh. for special effects because the Academy in 1982 yep. felt that at the time using computers was cheating. cheating. <laughs> How do you cheat while making a movie? A movie itself is a cheat. Yeah. yeah it is true. a magic trick. Yes. Right. <laughs> All these things didn't happen in sequence? Yeah. Yeah, What? I don't understand what's going on here. Using computers to generate uh, on-screen effects was cheating. cheating. So anything that wasn't a practical effect did not... Disallowed. uh, Was not allowed to be considered. I guess so. Well, as of then, I don't know when that quote-unquote rule... I don't even think it was a rule. I, I think they should they... reinstate that rule. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Only now. Oh, only practical only and optical practical effects. optical effects are allowed to be considered. Yeah, in the if, there's a la- if there's a laser, it's got to be rotoscoped by hand. Yeah. What would the practical Oscar be called? The Prosker. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Also, you can put it up your bum. <laughs> That's the prostate cur. So, Eric, what are you up to these days? Well, I, of course, uh, host and uh, was a co-creator for... Uh, the Critical Hit Show. I love it, by the way. You know that because I come like every time. You're there now. every month. Yeah. And Torin's been there. I've seen neither hide nor hair of Kevin. I have been twice. <gasps> really? Two times. Mm-hmm. Were you wearing a mask? He's, he's in costume. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Okay. I have been yes, he was doing his own LARP. Okay. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a live. I, I, I showed up dressed as a theater seat. Did you? <laughs> Excellent. I mean, he's constantly sticky anyway, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, the Critical Hit Show is a live, improvised, epic fantasy comedy inspired by Dungeons & Dragons. I, uh, we've got a whole bunch of comedians that are playing sort of the player characters, mm-hmm. and then I play all the non-player characters mm-hmm. with various terrible impersonations. I love And them. I roll dice, and then I bring up audience members as the monsters, and it's big fun. It's totally fun. My favorite part was when you were the blue dragon... And you had the dragon cut out on the big screen because yes. it's in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And then you had your face with the blue light on it uh, in the middle, uh, somehow <laughs> magically through the through the magic of computer technology. Yes. Your I, face was up there in the big screen, I interacting doing with the players. That. And we also have uh, a puppet. And one time we uh, we found a uh, we did a, used a wireless webcam. And we brought up an audience member to stand still as a colossus, as just like a like a giant statue. Ooh. And then I made Lego versions of all the characters, and they had to climb <laughs> up. And we f- climb up the, uh, the the audience member, and then we filmed it. And yeah, it was it was wonderful. I, I just love doing I stuff like that. I think nice. I took a photo of that and posted it on Facebook. And if I do, I will include it on oh, this episode. Oh, please do, please do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, so that's what I'm. T- also, I'm up to the gentleman hecklers. Yeah. Which is live hilarious commentary for the best bad movies. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is going to be Night of the Living Dead because it's public domain. Yay. Which means you might be able to actually release the whole deal with all your commentary on the internet, right? It's entirely, yes. th- I mean, that Maybe. is. Until they tell the- you to take it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is theoretically possible. Uh, whether it is uh, practical and feasible, I will see. I can help you with that. Oh, really? Mm hmm. Thanks, Eric, for coming out. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, thank you, guys. It's always a it's always a good time. 
Ba-da-da-da-da. You get 1,000 experience points. Huzzah! And a plus one pen of note-taking. Huzzah! <laughs> and a, a vorpal something. A vorpal something. You have to get it identified first. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's sharp. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while in an overturned car in a water-filled ditch. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. That's why Torin's got the whole side of the table to himself. <laughs> it's true. We've called Do not you- encroach upon my table side. We should just redo Firefly. With the people we know. Yeah. Who kind of look like... Uh, kind of... Uh, kind of look uh, like... Uh, little baby. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll call it... <laughs> we'll call it... We'll call it... Firefly? Firefly? <laughs> <laughs>